Hey, goal getters, it's Gina Anderson Cohen from a sweatlife.com. And if you've been listening to We Got Goals over the last month, you know that we've been running our Kickstarter. And right now we have just five days to fund our big dream for $20,000 to help grow our ambassadorship to reach women across the country. We're helping them set big, hairy, audacious goals and form a network to achieve them. If you want to help out, check the link in our show notes or go to aswetlife.com. Here's the episode. Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by aswetlife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen. With me, I have Cindy Kuzma and Kristen Guile. Good morning, Gina. Hi, Gina. Hi, ladies. So, Cindy, this week you talked to Peter from Rx Bar. I did. I spoke with Peter Rahal. He is the co-founder and CEO of Rx Bar, and he is a very focused, intense, high-achieving person, and it was great to kind of crack his code just a little bit. And one of the things that I found super interesting was sort of the driving force behind his goals, freedom. Can you talk to me a little bit about how freedom has shaped what he's done through his life and where it's taken him? Yes, he started RX Bar not necessarily because he wanted to be an entrepreneur, but because he saw a problem that needed to be solved and also because he felt trapped in a job he didn't love, under leadership he didn't respect, and he just really wanted to break free. What was interesting, and you'll hear this toward the end of the interview, was kind of how that has played out for him. He doesn't necessarily feel free, but he maybe has a little bit of a new definition of freedom or a new thing that he's seeking in its place. So uh, pretty interesting to hear how that all unfolded. On the podcast recently, we did a live recording with Julia and Lauren, who are the co-founders of Stylisted. And you spoke with Peter about his co-founder, Jared. One of the things I was interested to hear about was how these two different co-founders might approach goal setting similarly or differently. Uh, For example, Julia and Lauren spoke about the importance of having the same long-term vision and goals for the company, but at the same time celebrating the little wins and the small goals that you achieve along the way. Did... Peter, talk about how he and Jared have any approaches to setting goals as partners and working towards them together. Yeah, so like Julia and Lauren, Peter and Jared were friends first. And Peter talks about how important it is to have that rapport with someone that you're starting a business with. That way you can kind of tell early on when something is amiss and you can take steps to work it out before it becomes an actual problem. He said they've also worked hard not to fight about things like titles or things that were insignificant. They kind of set their egos aside and really focused on what they thought was best for the business. And yeah, in terms of setting goals for the business, it's interesting. They didn't really have specific goals in terms of the money that they wanted to make or units sold or anything like that. They really just looked at making the best product that they could to fill this hole in the market. And then when they got to a bigger place, finding the best people to help support them in those goals. That's really what carried them to a level of success beyond what they even could have imagined. Well, I've certainly loved watching the story of RX Bar unfold, and especially with its acquisition by Kellogg recently. So excited to hear this interview. So here is Cindy with Peter. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not. This is Cindy Kuzma, and I'm here with Peter, who is the CEO and the co-founder of RX Bar. 
Peter, thank you so much for joining us here today on the We Got Goals podcast. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate you coming to our office. Oh, it's great to be here and, and great to see so many people working hard. I'm wondering, Peter, I want to ask about your goals, but I'd first love to hear a little bit about what your day-to-day is like here at RX Bar. So my day-to-day first, I'm not like a routine person. I, I like to think of myself as highly adaptable. And I always start each week with like, what's the most important thing I need to accomplish? I'm really motivated by accomplishments. So like, what I need to, what do I need to get done this week? So I really think about my year through weeks. Everything's through weeks, and I accomplish. Um, I try to as much as possible in, in each week. So that's like the first half of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is very structured in terms of like, what am I looking at? What's important? Regular information, and then Thursday, Friday is typically like I like to think the Wild West where I try to leave it open and, and react to and be able to get some work done. I like that. It sounds like you have a nice blend of a very loose structure that you work within that helps you say somewhat organized, but then you really leave room for the creativity and inspiration and yeah. doing the work as well. I think I'm like very unorganized, but yet organized. If that like there's a paradox or I don't know what, what the right word is, but. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to be working for you. You've accomplished some pretty big things in the past five years or so. Our big question on We Got Goals always mm-hmm. is, what is one big goal that you've accomplished that you're particularly proud of? Why was it so meaningful to you and how did you get there? Um, so goals, I guess goal I had early on in my life, I guess career, I, I've always wanted freedom. Or I guess the outcome I wanted was always to be successful. And I really wanted to be free, not freedom in the sense of do whatever I want, but like to be able to make decisions and grow and have kind of kind of control of my own fate. And so prior to working at RX Bar, I'd always had a normal job and whatnot, and I felt really handcuffed and I wasn't in a position to be successful. And so a goal for me early on was always to like really flourish and have freedom and, and achieve success for myself. And I guess I didn't know what that looked like. So it was really just discovering that in my early 20s. And then I guess I found it with creating uh, creating the company with Jared, my co-founder. So you didn't really know what freedom would look like. I mean, how did you sort of take the steps to uncover that? I guess early on, early on in my life, I've, I've always rejected poor leadership and I misassociated that with authority. Like I've always like, oh, I don't like authority, but actually I just didn't like, I shunned bad leadership and I never really had great leadership in my work experience. So that's where I felt like I didn't have freedom, right? Like I needed freedom to think, to grow, to challenge, to do. So creative freedom, work freedom, not from like a do whatever you want type of thing, but like to be challenged, to think differently, you know, to define your own path. So that's a really interesting insight that freedom maybe was freedom, not from any leadership, but freedom from poor leadership. Yeah, for sure. Good leadership allows that, allows an individual to flourish and grow. Mm -hmm. I never had that. So I've, was yearning that ability. And I didn't realize that till I started working here and moved into like a leadership position that like, that's what I was really seeking and yearning early on. So, I mean, you have grown in the company by leaps and bounds in the past five years. I mean, you were started making the bars in your parents' basement, right? And now you're part of a huge national company and you're selling 120 million plus bars a year. Are those goals that you could have even foreseen back when you first started out? No, uh, absolutely not. So, I mean, those are like outcomes we never planned. Like Jared and I never like, oh, we're going to build a business to sell it. 
or like have an outcome like that or whatever, achieve that. We were, our goal was to make the best product possible. Our goal was to make the best company possible. And those were some of our, how our approach was. And those are really like our strategies. And what happened is that great company, those great products, the financial performance and those things were really all outcomes of that. So no, and, and to be honest, I remember sitting back with Jared like really early on and being like, you know, th- if we do this right, this is a $10 million business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I, we, we had planned all this out. We got lucky and we, we've, we had the right values guiding us and we did what was important. So talk to me about some of those values. What do you think were the important steps or the important values that took you from A to B to <laughs> Z? Uh, that's a good question. So I guess the values that were most important were, I would say, like humility, um, both we like to think of it as emotionally and intellectually. Like, right, we didn't have all the answers. We knew we didn't have all the answers. We stayed curious. We asked for help. And then for Jared and I working together and like as co-founders, we never fought over titles. We never fought over responsibility. We did what was in the best interest of the company early on. Um, so that requires a lot of, you know, you have to free yourself of your pride and arrogance. So that was really important early on. You see a lot of people fighting over this and that. And like, and I always say like, if Jared and I were building a house, we never fought over the color of the, the house. You know what I mean? It was just like, we went. Um, so humility is number one, and that's both emotionally and intellectually. And then second um, is excellence, just like constant improvement and entrepreneurial, like a real entrepreneurial mindset, a growth mindset of like, this can get better. We got to figure it out. Because if you think about a company, all it is is a group of people that are formed in teams that have to make decisions. And like those decisions usually are around problems, right? Or opportunities, problems, whatever way you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. And so doing that really, really well is important. Great people, uh, decisions and problems. So that, um, and another one is just like tenacity too. I don't know if that's of actual value, just grit, but like it was miserable. You know what I mean? Like pressing bars with your thumbs at your parents' basement when you're 26 and while all your friends are doing great things and having dinner in the city, whatever it is, you can't, you know, it's a lot, it takes a lot of grit. And there wasn't like, you know, you look at the company today and it's like, oh, it's great. You guys are successful. It wasn't like that a while ago. And it was actually quite miserable and, and, Jared and I actually suffered a lot in a good way. I was, I think suffering is good, but so you have to be prepared to suffer, um, in a good way. Knowing that you sort of had this idea that maybe you hadn't experienced good leadership before. Did you have other examples of leaders that you found along the way who kind of helped Mm -hmm. shape this as you went along? Not necessarily like I've never had great, I never really experienced great leadership i've experienced great parenting i have amazing parents and that is lead, a form of leadership i'd argue mm-hmm. but i know i never i never had it i when i've played sports i had a coach that like was involved in practice run with us like was a great leader and i, I mean it was amazing how it worked but i know i never had anyone like oh I, that's what great leadership i didn't realize what it was until like in action here in this company like i realized how important it was so no but i i I know I yearned it. I yearned it. I never necessarily had it, I would say. And I didn't know what it looked like either. What's an example of kind of what it looks like now on a day-to-day basis here? And how do you, how do you kind of know that you're, <laughs> you're exemplifying mm. it? So I, I think presence is super important. So being available, being around, flying in and solving problems, you know what I mean? Like if there's an issue, going in and helping fix it. 
Um, so like, can I call it like, I think of it as like reaction, reactionary leadership support is super important. Mm -hmm. So you're there and you react to the problem and go down to help fix it. Um, and also being super proactive in terms of breaking down potential barriers. So you're being there, you're having the vision to help break down a potential problem so it doesn't happen. So that that's great leadership. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, for us, the way we lay out, the way we meet and I mean, we've systemized it really, um, uh, through our structures. So example, if like a service call comes in and there's an issue, like, and I can tell, I can hear the, someone struggling with the customer, I can go in and like pick it up and help. Like mm -hmm. that's great leadership. Um, but being present is important. It's really important being consistent. You know what I mean? Like not coming in moody, not, not you know, really self-regulating yourself is important. So how you show up consistently articulating the, the vision and where we're going and why we're going. We're in making values based decisions. So being consistent with decision making, not just like arbitrarily. Right. Mm -hmm. So th those are all things that are important and being approachable, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. And also there's another, like knowing the business too. Like, I think there's a level, like a lot of times you hear EQ and like these softer skills are really important and they are absolutely empathy, understanding the business mm -hmm. from, and just everyone's position and situation, but actually like having knowledge and actually experience and being able to like tactically help out, I think is really important and having knowledge of the business uh, is important. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause imagine if someone came in from here and to be a leader here, but like didn't know shit about the food business mm -hmm. or didn't know it, you know, it'd be hard for them to have credibility. Um, and that's the advantages I have as a founder, like shit, I've came from the beginning. I have this knowledge from experience, like it's really helpful, um, for people. So, mm -hmm. and I think that's important too. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine that gets challenging to stay on top of as you grow. And I mean, how many people work here now? Mm, I think 110. Okay. How do you kind of keep tabs on that and, and keep into it sounds like some of just this jumping in and solving the problems is keeps you connected to the front line right what else well that's I mean we're 110 so I I've read a lot and like I know we're on the an inflection point or like I know everyone's name right and now we're going to be like 140 soon 150 200 like at some point that's not scalable right like we, ex we exceed every every individual's capacity to know everyone's name and who they are and how they work etc so here right now, sub 120, whatever, it's easy. I know everyone's name. I know how they work. I know their personality type. I know, but in a year, that's going to be totally different. So I, I'm actually, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I, you know, for me, it's not necessarily about me knowing it's really about our leadership here and, and the different teams and the groups of teams and how they work and what's the leadership look like on those teams. Mm -hmm. So scaling like what we do and, and systemizing it. So it, it permeates the whole organization. So as you've grown, how important would you say that the type of people you've hired has been to your ongoing success? Uh, it's, we have the best. The amount of people we've accumulated is unbelievable. So I say like, like one of the companies, we're in the people business. The company's responsibility is to, to ensure every individual is achieving their goal and flourishing. So that's probably the most important thing we do is hire people. I've said that and uh, we have a good process and a lot of our success, actually all of our, all of our success is due to the fact that we've been able to build an awesome team. So we, at the highest level, like I said, we're a group of people who make decisions that solve problems. Like we are in the people business, at the highest level. At the end of the day, what we, one of the things we do is we make a bar and we make food and we do other things. Um, but that is what business we're actually in. So it's the most important thing.
any business that involves people. So what would you say is kind of different about your process or superior about your process for finding these people? Uh, we have a very, we have a culture that people were, were the company's aligned on. Um, um, we've defined like competencies that are great with individuals or like what, so the question is like, what competencies do individuals possess that make them successful and flourish? So we asked that question and we've really laid it out there and we, you know, we look through those in candidates and, and also like, it's important. I think, I don't know other companies, like this is the biggest company I've ever worked for. So I don't know what it looks like in other places, but you know, everyone, you know, it's not like P&O or HR does the hiring. It's, it's a very cross-functional process. You know, we just, our goal is to hire the best people and make sure they're, they're in a position to be successful. And then we put a, 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 a soft process around it. So any uh, tips on what those competencies are for people who might be looking? <laughs> I know. I, something that's, I don't want to like, some, you know, you, you have a lot of people listen to this and I don't want to like tip our hands, but. You don't have to give out trade secrets. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Just know that like we want, our job is to make sure anyone who has sits here and is a part of the team is in a position to flourish and achieve what they want to achieve. And that's what we look for. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. There's no like, cause if that's not there, then it, you're just going to leave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, so it's actually, a, it's a very mutual process. We're not just doing this for us. It's actually like in the interest of the candidate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's always, I think as a, you know, when you're a job seeker, that's a really nice feeling to have when you enter into an yeah. interview and feel like it is a, a mutual search. To be ultimately successful, I, I believe it has to be. And the, but at the same time, if there's an individual who doesn't know what they want to achieve, that's okay. That's the right answer. Mm-hmm. They don't have the goal, right? Like what their career goal is, that's okay. We can, as long as you have the right mindset and approach, you can discover it. And that, that's our job then for you to discover your passions and, and how, what are you good at? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of times younger candidates don't know what the hell they want, which is totally normal. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone coming out of school is like, oh, I want to be this. They just want to join a great team and great company and, and really f- learn and grow. So what has this process been like with a partner? Um, Kellogg? Well, I mean, even to start just coming, starting the company with Jared, how do you two balance each other out? Yeah, it's been, it's been good. So I always think of like Jared and I are like totally different birds. You know what I mean? Like, so that helps like we're to- like one of our values is like collaboration and that's like we not I right like mm-hmm. and not seeking credit so our relationship is like super collaborative if you look at any personality test we're literally the opposite ends and he has a more of a financial background and he values stability mm-hmm. um, where I'm more commercial facing and value action so we're like total yin and yang so like in the beginning when we first started I remember we were like we even incorporating the company this is a long time ago and we were going over like, what's your role? What's our role? You know what I mean? Sometimes it's an uncomfortable conversation. It was like, okay, well you should be the CEO and I should be the CFO. And like that was from the get go really easy. So the role and responsibilities was very natural uh, for us. So it's been amazing. And we wouldn't be here today if we didn't have that balance. For example, when a task, when it was just us and a task came through, it was very obvious who did what. So yeah, it's been everything. and. You know, I don't know what other co-founder relationships are like, but I imagine if you get two like people the same, two types of birds that are the same, mm-hmm. there's holes in in the in the business and things fall through the crack. Where for us, who's we move faster, mm-hmm. we didn't fight. I don't think we had one 
fight. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've had disagreements, but sure. not like an actual like fight. Mm. Our conflict's normal, but not like bad conflict or like ugly conflict. Yeah. Can you pinpoint any ways in which you've communicated effectively that have, you know, prevented that? Or is it just personality? So the advantages of Jira and I, you know, Jira and I have is when you hire a, f- like when you work with friends, like you see this a lot with businesses early on, like where they're like friends starting it together. You know what I mean? And the reason why is because we have rapport. Like I've known him since first grade. Mm-hmm. He's known me since first grade. Mm-hmm. He knows when I'm pissed. I know when he's upset. So it actually causes us the rapport and history we have together causes that causes us to address things earlier rather than them just boiling or whatever. Like you, I didn't, I didn't know you were pissed. I couldn't tell. Like, well, no, I can actually, I can smell, I can smell when he's pissed off or upset or disappointed. He can smell when I'm, you know what I mean? It's more than, it's like this feeling, this intuition and instincts that you have just cause you have rapport with this, another human for so long. So that's a huge advantage we've had. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see like early businesses, like, you think about it, it's all friends usually starting it because mm-hmm. you can't be like, Hey, you want to like, you can't go to the marketplace and be like, Hey, you want to start this business with me? I don't know you. You want to start this? I don't fucking trust you. Mm-hmm. I trust Jared. He trusts me. We're aligned. And you think about the, the values of our company are really stemmed from our relationship because mm-hmm. those are the two people that are the two inputs that affect how we work here early on. It's shaped in a totally different way. Cause you know, the next new people come and it shapes it in a good way. Right. Right. So you brought up Kellogg and I mean, yeah, that's another huge phase that you're in now. So how uh, you're set up as kind of as a company within Kellogg, is, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like a, a standalone business, like a different business unit in a way. Was that kind of an important goal to you when pursuing this kind of a deal? And, and tell me. Yeah, for mean. sure. It was table stakes because, you know, I always people use the word exit like we never actually exited. You know what I mean? We, as sh- you know, we as shareholder, we sh- sold our shares, but. Um, so for us, we were looking for the right, the right muscle and then the, to protect our people and our culture. So those are kind of two objectives we were, and goals we were looking for in the right partner. And Kellogg fit that perfectly. And now we have resources to continue to achieve our business objectives and, and flourish as a company. So the resources, is obviously, that's a, that's a big change. I mean, what else has changed so far? Or what else do you predict will change? So change... So as a company, we've changed a lot and that's just the nature of, of, a, of a business. So it's all been good change. I would say in terms of, as it relates to like Kellogg and um, being owned by them there, I wouldn't say there's any significant change. It's all good stuff in the sense that like, you know, we have some things we're navigating through in terms of some legal stuff or not legal, but like contracts that, we're, that we need their expertise. Like they, you know, and we're talking about like performance management or like how to operate or how to manage channel conflict as we grow. Like there's just a lot of expertise that we have and internationally, like global expansion, like that's something we wouldn't really be able to do on our own very quickly. Um, and so with their leadership and their expertise and access, we've been able to move that up on the calendar significantly and go after new opportunities like that. So there's been a, a bunch of good stuff, but like as a company, I wouldn't say we've changed or there's been any change. Um, so, but the thing is, I always tell our team this, like, we're going to go to, you know, we're going to grow the business to 200 people and whatever, hopefully, you know, 400 people and, and it, a billion in revenue. And these are things we want to achieve. We're going to change. Like, you know what I mean? Change is a good thing. And we, we have to 
fix our processes or improve our processes or whatever. And let's not associate any sort of negative part of our size. Like, right, we're growing, we're getting bigger, and there's some compromises that come with that, uh, meaning not everyone has all the information sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of it. Like, I can't know what's going on in the social calendar. I just can't. And misassociating that change with, like, oh, new ownership or anything. Like, that's, there's, we're growing, and that's part of the, that's part of the territory, and um, we have to adapt Mm-hmm. Um, in an intelligent way. Right, so there's changes that just come with growth and changes that come from the partnership, from the acquisition. Yeah, but like those changes... Are just things. Yeah, yeah like there's only no ch- changes so far, so it's, it's all opportunity, to be honest. So the second big question that we typically ask on We Got Goals is about a goal you have for the future and how you plan to get there. As a company? Well, I mean, that's up to you. You can answer it as a company or you can answer it as an individual. Yeah, I mean, I think one of our goals is to really change and influence the, our legacy in the, in the food business and really set the new standard for how food is designed, marketed, and, and done. And so, like, to really, like, remove the bullshit in big CPG um, and, like, really restore confidence in different stakeholders from farmers, brokers, distributors, customers, consumers, etc. So we always pioneer our own path. And, and so I guess the goal longer term would really leave an impacting legacy on, on food and how things are done. Mm-hmm. And CPG for? Consumer packaged goods. So it's a monstrous uh, industry in a good way. It's huge. I think everyone needs food. So That's a pretty ambitious goal to change the way the food system works. I mean, what do you think are the biggest problems and how do you think you can have an impact on them? I think one of the biggest ones, like, you know, as you get bigger, you why can't big companies innovate in, a, in an authentic and effective way? So that's one problem we and approach and also how organizations are built are you know totally different today so i think organizationally through different design and tactics and systemizing things you can change it and serving ensuring making value-based decisions and serve ensuring you're serving the right people in the right way and not not you know i think there's a great quote i actually think it's martha stewart but power someone's character is best measured when you give them power and influence. Mm. Um, and so like when you get powerful and in a position of influence, like how do you treat people is, is a real test of uh, how you work. And you mentioned that kind of no BS, which I know is on your label and something that, uh, I mean, from a consumer perspective, like what do these, what might these changes look like and, and what does that no BS mean? Uh, well, no, no BS, we, it really means like nonsense. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not so literal, but just like nonsense, like bad, like overly marketed to gimmicky stuff. So it's across the board, across like the business and, and of course in the products, like, right, we don't want nonsense ingredients or nonsense stuff. So that's how we, how we think about it. So what can people who are out there buying RX bars now, like what kind of change might they see in the long term in the food system if you all are successful? More access to food that like is better for you, that's delicious, it saves you time, that you can trust. So that's how I would think about it or how we think about it. Kind of back to, to thinking about your, your corporate path and your your journey again from, from the basement to, to this nice office to what I understand is going to be in an even bigger office (laughs) coming soon. I mean, when you think back on your journey and if you, I'm sure you often give advice to other entrepreneurs, if you have one or two key pieces of advice that you'd offer people, what might they be? Oh, there's a lot. There's so much and so situational. A motto I always live by is like, do what's effective, not what feels good. That's like, for me, important. There's a ton, be proactive, not reactive. And like, solve a problem. 
right? I feel like at least in entrepreneurship, a lot of like Jerry and I did this because we saw a gap in the market, like at a problem, like there wasn't a product that fit our needs. It wasn't like we, we didn't focus on the outcome. We're not, you know, we weren't like, oh, we want to start a business and grow a business and do that. It was like, well, here's this opportunity that there's a problem in the marketplace and do that. So that, that's important. You know, a lot of people like on the surface, you want to like, oh, I want to have a nice business. I want to be an entrepreneur one day. Like I never, we never were like, oh, we're going to be an entrepreneur one day. It was just like, hey, there's this product we, didn't, um, we want to make. And like knowing what's important, doing what's important is important (laughs) (laughs) and uh like you said maybe be willing to suffer (laughs) a little bit along yeah suffering's good it pains good as long as you learn from it one of those things like in fitness as in life (laughs) well yeah think about fitness there's actually great parallels so think about Mm -hmm. fitness the most painful brutal workouts not overused of course but like the hardest workouts are the where you stimulate the most growth from you know, and, and work is the same thing. The most un- un- the most uncomfort you have, the harder it is, the more you grow. And that's why I always tell people, like, I've been miserably uncomfortable since the day I started this. Vulnerable and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But that's part of growth. And it's, you know, I know there's a stupid analogy, but I like to think about it. You know when you, like, wake up in the morning and you're in bed mm-hmm. and it's, like, so comfortable especially in the winter here in Chicago, like mm-hmm. you never, if, if you leave, take the sheets off, it's like, Oh, it's freezing and it's uncomfortable. You can just like stay in bed and like, that's comfort is just staying there. But like ripping the sheets off being cold, like that's how you get going. That's how you start. You don't want to just stay in bed all day. Right. Just get out there. Get started. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent advice. You mentioned early on that one of your goals was freedom. Yes. Do you think you have it? That's such a good question. I no, I feel like a slave. But I do have creative freedom, but I, I'm a servant, 100%. But I like that. So do you think your idea of what freedom is has just changed? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't have absolute freedom. Mm-hmm. But I guess I need to define what freedom is. I mean, I love my job. It's not, a, it's not even a job. It's, it's, it's like what I do. I, you know, I guess to give context, when I was prior to working at Archbar, I was like in a miserable spot. Like mm-hmm. I didn't like my job. I wasn't successful. I was insecure. I didn't have any confidence and I, I wanted to be successful. I wanted freedom to like pursue my talent, whatever I was good at and, and grow. And so I guess I needed to define what f- freedom meant, but back to your original question today, am I free? No, I'm a servant to the company and I'm not free on paper, I guess. I don't know. That's a great question. I need to th- reflect on this. <laughs> I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a servant, but a happier one. Yeah, a I servant mean, to a good master. <laughs> I, I think um, what gives what gives humans such satisfaction is serving others. Actually, like for me, like watching all these these people grow and achieve their goals is like I'm high as a kite. Like there's nothing more gratifying than watching someone change and grow and achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. And the way I try to do that is through serving them and serving their interests and whatnot. So. I guess my priorities have shifted. Like my original goal was get out of misery and find something that I was good at and be successful. And that's what I kind of maybe meant freedom. And now my goals are, or what makes me happy and goals are different. Peter, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Thank you. No, I appreciate your time and mm, I'm always here. This podcast is produced by me, Cindy Kuzma, and it's another thing that's better with friends. So please, share it with yours. 
You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you could leave us a rating or a review, especially if you're an iTunes or Apple podcast, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mano for our theme music, to our guest this week, Peter Rahal, and to Tech Nexus, as always, for the recording studio.